Good morning, church. It's a privilege to be doing the Bible reading for you this morning. It comes from Psalm 42, verses 1 to 11. That is the whole psalm. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 42 is one of my favourite psalms. So it is a great privilege to have been able to read that for you today. Have a great service. Well, we're jumping into the book of Psalms and we've entitled this series, Singing Your Heart Out to God. I don't know what you miss most about face-to-face church, church as it was kind of pre-COVID, but I suspect for many of us, it's singing. Did you know singing, music is really important stuff. It actually uh, connects the left and the right hemisphere It connects your thoughts and your feelings. Uh, Singing is important in memory. There's some wonderful music therapy that happens for patients uh, who suffer from dementia. Um, Music moves us, doesn't it? There's something profound. There's something uplifting. There's something that, that 
uh, strikes a chord with our very core in music, and we're very much missing that at the moment. We had something else planned, but as I kind of checked my own spiritual temperature and some people around me, I kind of sensed, you know, we really need to move into this vacant space of how music moves us. And so uh, we're going to spend a few weeks in the book of Psalms. Um, and if you picture music and worship, and you've probably got something like this in mind. We're in an auditorium, it's dark, and we're singing a song, and maybe there's a few people raising their hands, and they feel like they're being carried away in the moment, or close to the spirit, or whatever their vocabulary might be. Uh, and that's an image that we kind of have. But the Israelites also have a hymnal, a Psalter, and it's the book of Psalms. But it's a bit different from perhaps what your and my images of worship might be. The book of Psalms is 150 songs, and some of them are used in worship, and some of them are used as you're marching towards uh, Jerusalem for the Passover or whatever festival you're going through. Or, uh, you know the most common psalm is not a psalm of praise. It's quite the opposite. It's a sad psalm. It's a psalm of lament. About 40% of the psalms are pure lament psalms, and 70% of the psalms have a theme of lament in them. Apparently, singing and connecting with your emotions is not just about positive feelings, but it's also about feelings of struggle. It's about lamenting. Apparently, the psalms helped Israel in their spiritual walk, and I'm sure the Psalms are going to help us. So what is the temperature of Dak just at the moment? Well, I did a little brief um, survey. Here's some Israelites um, lamenting. Um, and that's a line from Psalm 13, actually. How long, O Lord, will you forgive me? Will you forget me forever? Um, how long um, will you hide your face from me? Is that the kind of sense that you're having at the moment? Um, well, I did a little pop survey, right? And this is what I discovered from a dozen people. Um, it's not a massive sample group, but it's not nothing either. 83% of people said they felt more flat, less energetic at the moment. Um, two thirds of people actually said that they had some symptoms of depression. And Everyone who said, I'm either feeling flat or I even have some symptoms of depression, things like, you know, maybe struggling to sleep at night or needing a nap in the day or significant mood swings or spontaneous crying or um, everyone who said they were doing it tough at the moment said that COVID was a significant causal factor. Now, interestingly, that didn't lead to the conclusion that people feel further away from God. A couple did, and actually slightly more people felt closer to God at the moment. But a lot of people actually said, you know what, it's kind of about the same pre-COVID and in COVID, my sense of closeness to God. But 58% of people did say that they had an apathy in both their general life and in their spiritual life. 42% said they were kind of flat in everything and 42% said, 
I am flat in my spiritual life at the moment. And the predominant reason is not being at face-to-face church, worshipping with other Christians. So there you go. I think we're kind of in the right ballpark to jump into Psalm 42. And we're here with the sons of Korah. And I don't mean the band from Melbourne. Uh, I mean um, the worship leaders who were the sons of Korah, who had a special role in the temple in Old Testament Israel. Uh, That's who is the author uh, of this particular psalm. And they're struggling with spiritual depression. Let me just say something briefly about depression. About one in five Australians will suffer at some point in time in their life from depression. Some for a short period, some on and off for most of their life. Um, I have. It's not an unusual thing. And just at the moment, Beyond Blue is saying that their calls are up 30% over what they were in 2019. So perhaps more people just at the moment are struggling with depression. It's the West's fastest growing medical condition. Isn't that an indictment on us? Whatever advances or prosperity or wealth or technology or resources we're able to tap into at the moment, it isn't leading to greater happiness. Let me draw a distinction between depression and feeling depressed. We can have a down day or a down week, and and that might be because of something that kind of happened, you know, an accident or an incident or an interaction or some sad news, or, and that's completely normal. We can't live on mountaintops forever. Life has ups and downs. But when that down gets prolonged and we kind of get stuck there, uh, when it goes on for a protected period and it has a number of symptoms that kind of come together, we might want to call that depression. What about depression and spiritual depression? Are they similar or different? Well, that's an interesting question. And and actually, I'm not going to answer that question just now. Let's actually jump into this psalm together and see what the overlap and what the difference might be between just depression in general and spiritual depression. So the psalmist is suffering from spiritual depression. And we get a sense as we work through the psalm, what are the causes of his depression? And here's the first. He feels spiritually isolated. He feels apart from God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with him? Of course, we're in the Middle East and it can be very dry and parched. And so the imagery of thirsting, of yearning for something, something that isn't readily or or easily accessible. Uh, That's what we're talking about here. And and the psalmist feels that. Uh, So not only does he feel like God's missing, but he doesn't even know where he can go and connect and, and drink of God. Secondly, there's a physical isolation. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I used to go with the multitude the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. 
Presumably the psalmist had some sort of a key role in religious festivals and that was a spiritual high for him. Perhaps you're somebody who used to be involved in singing or music or some other way in live services and you're missing that. Well, that's the sort of page that we're on here. The psalmist laments the physical isolation from being in God's house amongst God's people worshipping the Creator. Thirdly, there's a social isolation. My tears have been my food day and night. Not only is the psalmist alone, but he's actually alone with his tears, with his depressed and heavy thoughts. Relates to what Linda and I were chatting about earlier. That isolation, that restrictions means that we, we can get stuck in our, in our own heads. We can kind of overplay and replay and think a particular type of thoughts. And for the psalmist, it's tears, it's negative, it's depressing thoughts. And they're just on auto replay and he's in that spot. And there's a social isolation, just him and his negative thoughts. And that's not how we've been created. And you don't actually need to be a Christian to appreciate that we are made relational beings. Aristotle said this, um, you know, 500 years before Jesus. Man is by nature a social animal. Society is something in nature that precedes the individual. It, it takes at least two people and then it takes a village to raise a person and that village exists before we're born. Anyone who either cannot lead the common life or is so self-sufficient as to not need to and therefore does not need to partake of society is either a beast or a god. And we'd want to push back on Aristotle and say, actually, God exists in relationship. And that's why we are relational, because we've been created in God's image. It's not natural to be isolated and stuck alone with your thoughts and your tears. And of course, that brings about deep, dark times. So what are the symptoms of spiritual depression? Well... The psalmist has a few. Tears. Spontaneous crying. My tears have been my food day and night. Weariness. Lethargy. Just tiredness. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? He's just feeling like... He's unsettled and things aren't right and that causes him to, to feel flat and without energy and he just can't get out of bed and do anything. Thirdly, overwhelmed and or empty. We're in metaphors here and metaphors can be read more than one way and perhaps they're meant to be, perhaps that's okay. Um, but let me suggest a couple of readings of, of verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roars of your waterfalls, of your waves and breakers that have swept over me. And there's one picture that I kind of get. You know, like you feel like it's one thing and then another and then another. 
and, and you're kind of knocked flat. And then you get more news and more bad news. And life can be like that, can't it? You wake up tomorrow and the numbers are worse than the day before and the lockdown's been extended and work has got more complicated and your holiday's been cancelled and that catch-up with a relative has now been postponed and you think, man, it's, it's relentless. I'm just overwhelmed. That's one possibility of a symptom of spiritual depression. But there's another in this verse, I think. Deep calls to deep. And then there's this image of water. And again, you need to understand the Middle East and how Israel works. Um, there's a, a, a lack of rainfall in the Middle East. And so when the rains do come, you need to capture them. And so into the rocks, they dig out these big, deep cisterns. And here's one that they found in Israel in 2012. And these things store thousands and thousands of litres of water. And there's a sense in which what could be going on here is that the psalmist has a, has a sense of a, my life is but an empty cistern and the depth of emptiness is crying out to the depth of the God of the heavens who pours out rains and it's kind of like, how come it's all up there and none of it's here? You know, uh, can, can you just kind of, the deep of my um, lack is calling out to the deep of your abundance and there just appears to be this chasm between the two. Do you sometimes have that sort of a feeling? Does that imagery speak to your soul? Here's another feature of spiritual depression, another symptom, and that's rejection. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning by the enemy? Now, I've got Psalm 43 here as well. We didn't read Psalm 43, but you might want to read it to yourself this week. Um, Psalm 42 and 43, in some of the original versions, are actually the one psalm. And some of the lines in Psalm 42 are repeated in Psalm 43. So I think we can bracket the two Psalms together. And we read in Psalm 43, another line of rejection. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Now, I don't think what this psalm is saying is that God actually can forget us or God can reject us. Um, that's how he feels. That's his experience as he's crying out from his deep and dark moments. And, and we can feel that too, can't we? God, where are you? Where can I go to be with you? I'm feeling so isolated and alone and you've forgotten me and you've left me to my own devices. And, and there's that sense of having been forsaken by God. And lastly, I want you to note that in this psalm, um, the physical and the spiritual overlap. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long, where is your God? So the psalmist is under spiritual attack and he feels it in his bones. It's not that he's got 
some bone disease or cancer or, you know, and, and, and that's causing aches and, and that causes the depression. No, somehow the spiritual depression impacts the whole person and he agonizes to his very core as a consequence of the torment and the spiritual oppression and opposition that he is experiencing. Wow, that's a dark picture, isn't it? Can you connect with that? Perhaps not fully, but features of that? And can you connect with that at the moment? Is there some sense presently where you're feeling like, where is God and how come the numbers are getting worse and how come I can't get to connect with my family and my friends or enjoy some rest and some recreation? Isn't that a Christian theme? Why is God denying all of these things? And so how do you deal with depression, with spiritual depression? Let me make a few comments about that. Here's the first. Address the other causes of depression. Before we jump into the psalm, if you're eating poorly, if you're not exercising, if you're not getting out, if you're not reaching out and connecting with some people, if you're not having something meaningful to do and to achieve in your day, the sort of things that Linda and I talked about last week, put those into your routine. Uh, make a little to-do list and, and add those into your daily habits. Because I think we can at times blame God and the universe for things that we have some responsibilities over, things that we ought to be taking some actions in. So do that first. Deal with your regular uh, other causes and put some good habits in place. Second, talk to God about your feelings. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemies? It's okay. God's a big guy. He can cope with whatever it is that you want to say to him. If you're feeling something, take it up with him. Name it up. There's something about speaking that is powerful. God speaks and creates. And he gives Adam the capacity to name up the animals. And there's some power in naming things up. And there's even more power in naming things up as you bring them to God. And I want you to do that. Don't just watch a bit more Netflix or a bit more Olympics and distract yourself from your thoughts. No, sit down, name them up, and then bring them to God and say, God, why is this happening? What's going on here? This is what I'm feeling. Thirdly, remember the good times. Don't just get stuck in that autoplay of what you're frustrated by, what you're hurt by, what that other person said in that text, what that other person said about that other person's text. Think about some positive things. I used to go with the multitude, the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. Can you recall some positive experiences? Or maybe you want to uh, actually listen to some 
worship songs. Just slow down and replay them and try and put yourself into a more positive frame of mind. Sometimes we can stew and dwell on the wrong things and we need to say to ourselves, you know what? I'm actually going to focus on something else and be intentional about that. Fourth, some positive self-talk. Not self-pity. I think in our darker moments, negative self-talk comes kind of natural and we actually need to be intentional about positive self-talk. But here is the recurring theme of Psalms 42 and 43. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he speaks to himself. He gives himself some good advice. He makes a vow. Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him. He's not saying, oh, now that I feel like it, I'm ready to praise. Or, um, you know, the season has changed and the sun is shining and restrictions have lifted and I can finally get back to church, so now I'm going to praise. No, no. I will yet praise him even though I don't happen to feel like it just at the moment because God is my saviour. Jesus talks about this too, doesn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount. There's something natural for some of us in particular where we're inclined to worry and ask ourselves, well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Friends, that's a dangerous question, what if? It can leave you ruminating on all sorts of negative possibilities and you can talk yourself into a hole and just dig and dig and the next question you're a bit deeper well take some advice from the psalmist and say to yourself i will put my hope in god and i will yet praise him that day is going to come fourth fifth whatever we're up to pray for deliverance vindicate me O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. This is part of Psalm 43. We haven't read this. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. There's two things happening in these few verses. Firstly, it's a prayer for deliverance. Don't just bring your frustrations to God. That's appropriate and legitimate things to do. But actually, ask God to do something with them. Plead with God. Ask God to vindicate you. That is to declare you right for having trusted in him. Ask him to rescue you, to be your stronghold. Are you praying that sort of prayer? And you might have to pray it more than once. You might have to pray it for months and months in lockdown. Who knows how long the psalmist was in this state. But I I suspect it was for some time. The second thing that's happening here is, and we're kind of, Halfway through, send forth your light and your truth and let them guide me. We're in the Old Testament. 
And I want to say, as New Testament Christians, we can go even further than the sons of Korah. Because we've seen Jesus. And God has sent his light and his truth with the greatest clarity in the person of Jesus. And so I want to say to you, the psalmist can pray and walk in the light and in the truth, and we can do that even more so. We can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, how did you walk? Where did you step? What, what direction, what orientation did you have? And I'm just going to take the next step and follow you. And then I'm going to take the step after that and follow you. And whether or not I feel like praising you yet, whether or not it's joy-filled to be obedient, don't worry about that. Just take the next step and the next step, and it will lead to eventually joy and delight and praise. That's where the psalm takes us. So let me pull that list together, dealing with depression. How do you deal with it? Well, here's some advice from the psalmist. Tackle the other causes of depression. Well, that's from me, actually. He doesn't say that. The rest are from him. Talk to God about your feelings. Remember the good times. Some positive self-talk. I will yet praise him. Pray for deliverance and walk in the light and in the truth. Follow Jesus, the true and living way. Let me offer a few concluding thoughts. Here's the first one. Spiritual depression is widespread, perhaps even to be expected. Isn't it fascinating that in the Old Testament hymn book, the Psalter, 40 or 70%, depending on how you count, of the Psalms deal with loss and sadness and lament that as you sing and process the songs and the feelings of life, you need some guidance about what to do with the tough seasons that come. Contrast that with the songs we write in the 21st century. God is awesome. Jesus has forgiven me. We have victory over sin. All of that's true. But I don't think we are as skilled, as competent as the ancients when it comes to lamenting and bringing those thoughts to God. It'll happen. It does happen. And it's happening at the moment and it's not the end of the world. It's happened to people for centuries. It's happened to the psalmists. It's happened to Israel. And they found ways to sing their way through that season. Secondly, secular depression does not have to drive the spiritual. So, you and I are feeling isolated at the moment. You and I don't have the joy of thinking about holidays or perhaps connecting with our family and our friends or sitting around a meal together or coming to church and joining in corporate worship. There's so many reasons why we might feel sad and it might be just depressed or it might even go as far as depression at the moment. 
But here's something I've been contemplating in the last week or two. Just because life is tough, does that mean I have to feel spiritually depressed? And the answer I'm coming to is no, it doesn't. In fact, as I read the scriptures, seasons in the desert don't have to be bad. Jesus is full of the Spirit when he's in the desert. And it's a season of preparation for the next thing. So I want to say to you, just because life is tough at the moment doesn't automatically have to lead to the conclusion that you get the spiritual blues. Practice some good habits, some good discipline, some of the advice of the Psalms, and you don't have to have both spiritual depression and a general sense of being depressed at the moment. They're not married and wedded at the hips, those two. Third, do talk to God and to others about your feelings. You know, I, I do this myself. I talk to my wife and there's a couple of people I know I can ring up if I need to process some things and there are a couple of people who ring me and check in on me and, and, and I'm checking in on some other people and that's a good thing. That's something that we need at the moment and you ought to be availing yourself of those sorts of possibilities and resources. Ring DAC Care if you haven't got anyone else um, and you ought to be making yourself available to others who need that from you at the moment as well. That's part of what it means to be a body, that we weep together and that we laugh together. Fourth, commit yourself to a process that leads to health, to spiritual health. Don't just think, ah, oh, it's going to be like this until we get out of lockdown, until we can do face-to-face -face church with no restrictions, no masks, full band, you know, then things will be good again. But in the meantime, you know, no, no, no. Commit yourself to a process that will lead to health. And I want to suggest to you that that might look like this. Here's the list that we had earlier. Why don't you just uh, jot this down or... or um, and every day say to yourself, what's one or two of these I can do today? And then tomorrow, what's one or two of these I can do? And then the day after and the day after. Following Jesus is about just taking the next step and then the next little step and then the next little step. And it's amazing where you can end up if you just do that day in, day out, trusting and following Jesus. So here's my question for you. If you're finding that this is a tough spiritual time, what's the next step? Perhaps it's there on the screen that you need to take to be able to have a spiritual health and vitality in your relationship with God. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the book of Psalms. We thank you that we can listen in as the psalmists sing their heart out to God. And we thank you for the realness and the genuineness and the authenticity of the psalms. That it's not just always good and positive, but that there are people struggling 
and they're feeling lost and they're crying and they're isolated and they're many of the things that some of us are feeling at the moment. And so we want to pray that as we sing along with the psalmist, that we would be conscious that we will yet praise God, that the day will come again where we will feel that sense of joy of being in your presence and amongst your people and that in the meantime we would put into practice some positive steps in following you, Jesus. And we pray this for your glory, God. Amen.